Well, hello, I am Matt Williamson. This episode is brought to you by Live Casino. Folks, football season is here, and Live Casino is where FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sports betting app, comes to life. Step up and place your bets at our self-service kiosk or with a sportsbook representative. Then cheer on your team and catch every heart-pounding moment of action on our huge 40-foot video wall. Bet, watch, and win at Live Casino Pittsburgh, Route 30 at the Westmoreland Mall. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, coming at you a little later than usual. Got They got away from me, but we will be doing a lot of Steeler stuff, of course, this week. I'm going to be digging into free agent desire list, as I told you guys before, teased before. But today's going to be about recapping the weekend, uh, the four divisional games, with a little Steeler spin on things. And I think some things were apparent. First of all, let's, let's go down this road. Winning a playoff game is really hard. And harder than I think many imagine, getting just a win in the playoffs. And the playoffs, I think, I can't compare it to other sports because I don't know anything about other sports, but they, if you have a weakness, it is going to be exposed in the playoffs. And where I'm going with this is when we talk about these eight teams, I want to look at it a little bit through a Steelers perspective of when they're building this team to hopefully get to the level where they're playing championship weekend. What are some flaws teams do that get exposed? And a lot of times you also have to have a lot of luck. You know, I mean, what if Mahomes doesn't come back in that game or the injury's worse or, you know, injuries and uh, attrition certainly are massive in this league. So with, with no disrespect to the Jags or the Giants, when we woke up Sunday morning, I very much believed that the best six teams in the league were still alive. And as we sit here Monday after the weekend, I think the best four teams in the league are still alive. So we're not getting gypped. We're getting the teams we want. And I don't also don't want to lump the Giants and Jags together either. Because first of all, those would be my two top candidates for coach of the year. But Jacksonville is at least a year ahead of them in terms of team building. And I think the Steelers are a lot close to where Jacksonville is in terms of what they currently have on their roster, let alone culture, coaching, foundation, things of that nature, where the Giants are way ahead of schedule. You, you know, I mean, I don't think we have to spend a lot of time on Giants-Eagles, but we might as well start there. This misnomer that it's really hard to beat a team three times is a misnomer. Usually the favorite wins the third appearance. And the Eagles, to me, have the best roster in the league. The Giants have a below average roster, despite, you know, winning nine games and getting into the regular season or getting into the playoffs in a weak conference. They did a tremendous coaching job. But now they have to deal with things like, okay, we didn't, they didn't expect to be here. You know, now some of their foundational players aren't going to be back next year or going to have to be resigned. Jones, Barkley, uh, Leonard Williams is like a $30 million cap hit. You know, this was supposed to be clear the books, get ready for next year, and they way outkicked their coverage. But that showed in this game too. I mean, the Eagles are the best team in the league on both lines of scrimmage. And so should the Steelers build similar lines to the Eagles? Sure. Yeah, I mean, that, that would be ideal. More than any team in the league, when the Eagles team build, they'll take the extra lineman. We don't really need a D lineman, but in the second round, we're going to take one anyway. 
uh, we still have Kelsey at center, but we're going to use a third round pick on Jurgens, his replacement, a year before we even need to. You know, things like that. They stress linemen. But this roster is so good that they have a really good secondary. They have great weapons. They didn't even have to use Goddard, Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown in this game because they just won on the ground. And frankly, the Eagles can win any style of play that you throw at them. The Giants were not a stiff enough test. Again, congrats to the Giants for making this far. But the beauty of where the Eagles are at now is based on the two lines, but not exclusively, if you want to play a smash mouth game, they're in. If you want to play a pass rush game, they're in. If you have best weapons, win, bad weather, whatever. I think they're probably the best team in the league right now. And Hertz has come a long way. Um, and they're set up great. And, oh, by the way, they have two first-round picks next year, which is frightening for the rest of the league. So they've done it well. Now, Andy Weidel comes over from the Eagles to the Steelers. Will he have... The same viewpoint, who knows? But I sure like that Andy came from this organization. I mean, if, if he has similar viewpoints to how the Eagles do it in, at all, that's great news for your Steelers. Um, who knows how that gets implemented going forward? I don't have a crystal ball here. But I love what the Eagles have done. If there was a GM, well, there is a GM of the year uh, vote, I would definitely vote the Eagles. But it's also easier said than done. They haven't missed on many picks. You know, they've, it's not like I, I've talked about how they stress the lines. Well, last year they traded a first round pick for a wide receiver. The year before that, they used a first round pick on a wide receiver. So we're going to talk weapons here too, because I really thought that the Bills and the Cowboys were at least a weapon short. Like Buffalo, it's Allen Diggs and a bunch of other dudes. And we'll get to that, that game later. Uh, in Dallas, it's CeeDee Lamb. And when Pollard went out, it's like, where's the rest of the juice? So you're not going to just win things being a big bully on both lines of scrimmage. But that's where the Eagles start, but it's by no means where they end. Um, so that's basically the synopsis of that game and how it affects things. You, you're striving to become a Eagles-like roster Easier said than done. No doubt about that. Um, the Jags are doing a lot of good things. This was a actually a kind of winnable game for them. The Mahomes injury steals all the headlines, but I don't know how Jacksonville can allow Travis Kelsey to catch 14 balls. I mean, of the four remaining teams, I think the Chiefs are actually the weakest in terms of weaponry, and it's pretty clear. I mean, they, they miss Tyreek Hill. Kelsey's still phenomenal. But what they have is remarkable. They have a great O-line, an amazing, amazing quarterback, an amazing, amazing head coach, and they got some playmakers on defense. But they're not super well-rounded, and let's start with Mahomes. I mean, it was a small little sample before his injury, but he was playing A-plus. I mean, not really well, A-plus. I mean, phenomenal. Henny comes in there, holds on the fort for enough, um, completes some passes. And then I thought Mahomes played pretty well despite his injury. I mean, he had a hard time with like stretch handoffs and things like that. Certainly wasn't an improv player anymore, but 60% of Pat Mahomes is still really hard to deal with. Still, this was a winnable game by the Jags, and they're in a really good spot going forward. They got like Calvin Ridley's going to be on this team next year. Another offseason to build around Lawrence. He's coming along really well. Side note, since the Jags, Chiefs, Bills, 
and Bengals all came in first place, every one of those teams is going to play every one of those teams. So we're going to get Burrow versus Mahomes versus Allen versus Lawrence in every combination next year during the regular season. It's pretty fun just from a reviewing standpoint. Um, Chiefs, though, they're not as Mahomes dependent like you know Lamar and Allen, but in a way they are because they don't just roll it out there. Hey, make a play. Like I think that's what the Bills do too much. I think that's what Baltimore does too much. But Mahomes has taken the art of making people around him better to another level now, which makes the Chiefs extremely dangerous. You know they're in their building, obviously. Um, I don't know what. <laughs> team building things to really take away from the Chiefs in terms from a Steeler perspective, except I think there's tremendous value in continuity from ownership, front office, head coach, and now in their case, quarterback like the Steelers had with Ben for so long. But I also think, and I'm not trying to get clickbait. I hope you guys know this by now. I think Mahomes is the best quarterback I've ever seen. (laughs) So to have that advantage you, you know, you have Michael Jordan. I mean, you really have a transcendent player at the most important position is an unbelievable asset. And I don't know how to comment on his injury. Jags are going in the right direction. You know, I, I think there's a lot to be excited about in an awful division. They should own that division for the foreseeable future. Um, quick break, and then we will talk about yesterday's games, which I think are more noteworthy. Bengals go into Buffalo, win 27-10. And I thought they owned this thing from the beginning. And to me, this is more translatable in that I think the Bills are kicking themselves a little bit from a team building standpoint in that they've built their team like they're a dome team. You know, they live in nickel. You know, they have a lot of invested in a defensive line but they don't have the DJ Reader. They don't have a Cam Hayward. They don't have a power player in the middle. They're very finesse oriented. They don't have a power back. You know, they don't translate well to Buffalo weather in January. I mean, if you're going to be an elite team, you're going to be hosting these games. They they're built like a dome team. I think that's a problem. And I've great or, you know, again, I've great respect for the way that this organization has done business. But any little flaw gets exposed. And boy, did it get exposed in this one. And I think the Bills offense, for as great as Allen is, he's always going to be a Farvian up and down player. But it's him and Diggs and then a bunch of dudes. You know, like, again, I'm not trying to get clickbait here. But if you put the Steelers and Bills offenses together, Allen would be your quarterback, of course. Diggs would be your number one receiver, of course. I'm not sure how many other Bills would be in the starting 11. One or two? And that's debatable. Morse, the center. Maybe Dawkins, the left tackle. Like, Gabe Davis isn't as good as the Steelers receivers. You know, like, they are too reliant on two guys. And to not have a power running game, they need Jerome Bettis. They need Najee Harris. You know, I mean, you play in Buffalo, and you're trying to win this whole thing. And then the other thing, too, is they went all in on Von Miller. 
which when you're a really aggressive organization and decide to push your chips in, you better hit. And they were a great pass rushing team when Miller was there. But since his injury, they have been a very poor pass rushing team. And that showed up again yesterday. And your pass rush is always going to be a little less when it's snowy and you can't get off the ball as well. But meanwhile, the Bengals are a physical AFC North team. They have a great defensive coordinator, a great O-line coach that took a bunch of backup O-linemen, but they're big physical guys and just came off the ball and pushed around a light front seven and ran the ball extremely well. They have weapons galore. They're a really good combination of defensive lack of weaknesses defensively. The O-line... I don't think I trust it yet, but this was a really impressive day by the O-line. It's still going to be problematic, especially when the weather doesn't help you. But they can pretty much play it any way you want to. If this is just going to be a Burrow game and he's going to drop back 50, 60 times, they can beat you. If they're going to pound it out, they can beat you and then still take shots over the top to Chase and Higgins and those guys. I think Burrow's the better quarterback between him and Allen, and I thought that before the game. I said that before the game. The Bengals are a juggernaut. They are a really good football team without many weaknesses, especially the way the O-line played yesterday. I really like how they're constructed. I think they have a chance to win the whole thing. So Niners-Cowboys kind of talked about this too, that really good defensive football there. Like I know a lot of people are like, this is a boring game. There's not many points. You know, this thing was, what, 9-9 after three quarters. Because those defenses are flying around. And you watch these two, especially the Niners D, and this is kind of a stealer note, length and speed. You know, all their guys, they don't have any fat dudes. You know, like everyone can fly. They all are really good testers with really long arms and height. The Niners played zone in this game like 95% of the time. That's unheard of. But they disrupted the zone so well because of their length and speed. There's very, very small windows. And Dallas's defense played tremendous. They're really well coached on that side of the ball. After a while, I thought the Dallas defense had just been out there a little too long and probably why they lost this game late, as well as the two Dak Prescott interceptions, which were very bad throws by Dak, who did not play well. I didn't think Purdy played well either, but to his credit... He didn't make the mistake. Um, and again, this, you know, is is the San Fernando line tremendous? And this is, you know, looking at this through a Steeler lens. They have the best left tackle in the league and the best left tackle probably since Joe Thomas and Trent Williams. But the rest of the line's good, average, Steeler-esque. But their weapons are ridiculous. You know, like, their weapons are comparable to the Eagles' lines. You know what I mean? So, there's... My point is there's a lot of ways to skin a cat here. You know, just don't have glaring weaknesses and have your strengths be what you're built around. And, you know, length and speed on defense, great pass rush from the Niners, ridiculous weapons that are very, very versatile for the Niners. And you can mask what I think is a, I'll say second string quarterback, not a starting quarterback in in Purdy. Um, Dallas is interesting to me. They're so star-based, um, but the defense is really well coached. I had a problem with how Kellen Moore called this game. If you're going to see that much zone, you couldn't come up with more zone beaters. you know. So I know a lot of people, and rightfully so, 
are really hard on Canada, but coordinators across the league have a rough, rough life. And if I was a Dallas fan and this was a Dallas podcast, I would not be being kind to Kellen Moore right now. And I bet a lot of our listeners are like, oh, isn't he like an up-and-comer, future head coach type of guy? Uh, I don't see him that way. <laughs> I don't see him that way. If you lose Tony Pollard early in the game, that should not derail your entire offense. So just some takeaways from these games, where the where these teams stand, kind of how it fits in with what the Steelers are doing here as they prepare for their offseason, how to team build. Again, a lot of ways to skin a cat. But when you're going to be an elite Final Four type of team, if there is a weakness, it will get exposed. I mean, so that's the the unbelievably difficult nature of winning playoff games in the NFL. All right, we'll be back with more Steeler-centric stuff next couple days. Over and out. 